Miamians and listeners from around the world, welcome to another episode of Miami Global Net. Today's guest, we have Andres Arias, managing partner at Clarity Ventures. He and his team help companies grow. If you are generating five to ten million dollars in revenue and can't seem to break through, you need to meet my friend Andres. He will share with us the challenges of legacy systems, how he helps companies grow, and share a case study from a company that he helped move forward. If you're not growing fast enough, or don't have the expertise to keep growing, listen up. This episode is for you. Remember to support the podcast by subscribing and signing up to a newsletter. Welcome to Miami Global Net Podcast, where we showcase the people and organizations that support Miami's international landscape. Learn from local business owners, startups, diplomats, and community leaders. Get to know the tools and services that are out there that help you invest and grow in South Florida. Miami is a true global city where one can live and do business with a global reach. Andres, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? Oh, good. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So we're here to talk about Clarity Ventures, which is a growth advisory firm or agency. Yes, yes. Uh, We've been in Miami for, I think, five years or so. What we try to do is working with small and medium-sized companies, like looking for ways to grow, particularly when it comes to tech, in the tech world and emerging technologies, how to use different strategies, things of that nature. Awesome. But before, before we continue to talk about what you do, let's get to know you a little bit. So where are you originally from? Ah, I'm originally from Mexico City. I was born there. Uh, my mother is from Chile. My father is from Mexico. They met in Chile in the 1970s. And um, I was born and, and raised most of my life there in Mexico City. And I came to Miami about uh, right, up, right out of college, 20-something years ago. What brought you to Miami right out of college? Was it a job <laughs> or opportunity, a lady? No, no. Well, no, that, that came after, but, but yes, no, it was, it was a job. I was, um, I was, uh, my, my undergrad was in industrial engineering. And back then there was a company called Lucent Technologies. It was a, a, a company that spun off from, um, AT&T when they split up AT&T. AT&T had a, an, an, a big arm in, in infrastructure for, for telecommunications. And um, they were hiring um, like crazy uh, across the, the region. And they had this program that it was like, um, uh, it was a sales and marketing leadership program, basically a program that they will cherry pick people around the region yeah. to try to get them quickly into understanding what the tech was for telecommunications and how to go about at, at selling tech basically. Everything behind what was on the phone lines, it was the beginnings of the wireless um, handsets and internet, data, you know, that was kind of like the beginnings when, you know, all these companies were laying down the pipes of sort. Yeah, so they, they hired me there. They brought me in to work from here. His, they were the, their headquarters were here in Corgiebos. And um, I came here and met my wife, my future wife, you know, a couple of years into the job and I decided to say. And before starting Clarity Ventures, which is your your firm, you have a partner, like you mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
is that what you were doing or did you do something else then? What inspired you to start Clarity Ventures? That's wow. I mean, that's, yes, that's, well, I have a, I've been following, I keep saying that I, I've been following the growth of the internet from like the beginning, right? when, when they were laying down the pipes. You needed pipes first to put data and communications together. Then you needed, when it came to wireless data, they needed handsets. I went on to work for Sony Ericsson. Um, it, it was a JV between Sony and Ericsson for mobile handsets for a few years. Ended up managing product um, management for you know for Latin America from Miami. Uh, and then I move on into what was next, basically, when, you know, you have the handsets, you have the data, and then what is it that we put on top of it? And that's when the services and content and everything was needed. And I started working for Cisneros Group, um, a Venezuelan, now Miami-based company that started their, their you know, they have their roots in, um, in uh, media, and they want to get into interactive. So the very entrepreneurship focus a company and um, I did many many different projects with them from over the years but one of the things that I wanted to do um, right after I was uh, in media was to try to understand what was the impact of tech and tech adoption into the b2b market which was always kind of like lagging a little bit behind it's problem on how to deal with legacy systems with legacy ways to do business and they needed a change so i started like looking into iot the internet of things and then i'm moving to launching an advisory base on, on on those things for those that don't know legacy systems are those systems that companies have been using forever right is that what you mean by yes that? yes 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 that's what i what i mean i mean companies think think companies like big banks Right. I mean, imagine a bank that is, has been running forever, you know, 100 year old bank. Over many years, they've been always deploying different types of systems. And most of the times back then, most of the software was developed in-house, meaning that they have their own developers, they have their own systems and they will patch, they will grow out of those, those type of systems. Then there was another age was basically a time when you would buy software off the shelf type of thing like SAP or Salesforce, you know, those that type of software is, is ready made to support many, many types of businesses. So people would companies would adopt those systems and adopt whatever they had before. And as you move forward, you know, you're always carrying all the investments that you did in software in the past, the old ways that you were doing the processes. And it's kind of hard for sometimes banks to migrate into new architectures of software, modern software. And that's what's happening. If you see the financial industry is one of the ones that have been innovating more, most rapidly. And you have a lot of startups um, fighting for a piece of it. It's, it's a very active space. They call it FinTech. That's because there's a lot of newcomers, a lot of small and medium companies, for instance, that they come in with new ways, new systems, People, no ways to, for people to consume um, financial products. And then, you know, it's, it's kind of a little harder for companies that are large in the financial industry to compete with small ones. Um, there's a one company um, that is in the, an example like this. Is a, it was a company based out of uh, Brazil, Nubank, that started, I think, about maybe five, six years ago. 
It's one of the most rapid growing banks, digital, digital born banks in the world. They have now operations in Germany, in Mexico, in Argentina. They have, I think they're starting in the US as well, but the whole systems, everything that they do is using obviously state-of-the-art technology. So uh, no type of developers, development languages, no tools. They're very rapid to adjust. So it's a different type of competitive uh, uh, environment for, for, for the FinTech and for many others. And all these industries are being transformed. And you know, we, we try to look into how all business can adapt or new business can take on advantages to, to, to compete in a better way. The Brazilian company that you mentioned, do they do this in-house? They do many things in-house, yes. Uh, I mean, the, the way that modern software works, the tools to build a lot of the things today, they're out there, right? They're available, like especially when it comes to cloud um, computing. You go to AWS or Azure or Google, for instance, they have all software um, in the hardware to do cloud computing. What they do is that basically they're making IT resources available as a utility for many of these large companies. So if you wanted to start something in TechNet right now, you wouldn't have to hire like software developers to do like the website, the, the, the backend, do like the database, you know, all the different components yourself. You could hire um, less specialized people because a lot of those that software and those tools are available on the cloud you own you need another type of uh, developer a developer that knows how to connect how to integrate how to use apis how to build front ends like websites and apps but web, uh, websites and apps that work with uh, other things in the back end so there's a little bit of things that you do uh, in-house which are like the value driven and that's a trick really it's like you you keep as a company whatever you can use to compete and differentiate in-house and the rest of it becomes something that you use more of a utility type of thing okay like, like light and internet i mean that's, that's what you know companies like uh, aws and in azure are doing very well okay so now going back to clarity ventures what is growth advisory ah okay um Look, yeah, I think that the, the first thing to understand is that growth is not, growth is like the consequence of doing things, right? You, when you want to deploy growth, or you want to do, you want to grow, where do you start? So that's when we come in and we say, okay, so you want to grow, that's great. But what type of things are you doing that, is, that are like um, keeping you from, from growing? Because there are things within organizations that you could be doing, whether how you use capital, um, how, do, how, how do you invest in, in, in what type of people you have, how do you what, what, what are you, what are you focused? For instance, there are many companies that are led by CEOs or they love product. And what is it that those companies are good at? Product. But guess what? You need sales. And some of these product CEOs, they just don't see sales. They say, hey, no, 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 I'd have to build a great product and they will come to me, you know, build it and they will come. And that's not, you know, that's not what happens. You still need to sell 
right? Still, especially when it comes to B2B, that's, that's a key thing that you need to know how to do. Um, that's when we come and help. Now, sometimes their CEOs or companies are very good at sales, but their product or their partnerships and their portfolio is not very strong. So their salespeople, even though they're very good, they just don't grow. They just have the same type of customers within a certain amount of revenue. So we go in, we, we help them like figure out a little bit of this, um, uh, you know, obstacles for growth and brainstorm with them on, on different activities and help them set it up and get it up and running. Sometimes might be redesigning the, uh, their um, product development um, process. Sometimes might be developing business for them. It could be uh, finding capital in a story that makes sense for them to really convince someone to put money into them. Uh, there are different skill sets that, you know, many of these small to medium sized companies don't, don't fully have or take advantage of. And that's, that's what we do. So you mentioned at the beginning that Clarity Ventures helps small to medium businesses grow, right? So what is a small to medium business to you guys? Well, a small to medium is basically a company with revenues between one and 10 um, per year, most likely less than 50 employees, probably, Um yeah, that, that, that's basically it. I don't, I don't know the official uh, <laughs> classification in the U.S. And it kind of varies because you can imagine in Mexico, it's a different type of revenue size. And, you know, in the U.S. it's different, but, you know, we, we take it from there. So, and when do you come in? What is happening in the life of that company that you come in and you know what? It's time to assist the growth. Yes. Well, you know, it, uh, it's, it's funny because, you know, companies are like, like people, you know, we, we go through different phases. You, know, you have baby companies, you know, teenager, you know, children, you know, teenager and young adult company. And each stage, as you might know, because you're a grown up man, you, you know, you need different things, right? Um, small to medium, they're no longer babies. They're not even children. I mean, we're talking about companies who've been making, you know, serious money, for a while, uh, but going over certain thresholds, you know, it's harder. Any company, almost like any company trying to go over $10 million requires to start doing things differently. And that's the type of moment that you, you know, that companies need to start thinking about. Hey, I'm, getting, I'm trying to get, I'm getting to 10, but as a lot of people might know, when you start getting to 10, it's because you have too many employees. You need to start adding maybe layers of management. You have to start managing capital in a different way. You have to start doing marketing in another way. And, and all those little things require, you know, a different type of expertise. So kind of like when you go from living with your parents to going and in, in, in living on your own, you have to start taking care of many other things that probably you didn't before. That's, that's the type of mindset that, that these companies have on top of it. Uh, when it comes to grow, growing and, and, and growth, you know, you got to think, you know, what is an appropriate growth um, for you? Because you could still be growing, but it's, uh, you're not growing as fast as the market is. Maybe you are in the middle of selling the market and everybody, the whole market is expanding at 20% yearly, you know, but you're just growing at 3%. You, what it's really happening is that you're kind of riding some waves, but you're not growing with the market, you're losing market share, you're basically shrinking. 
And that's not a good place to be. Now, if you're growing at 3%, then the market is growing at one, that's the other uh, case. You're actually growing on, you know, market and getting acquiring market share. But still, regardless in what position you are, you might be on a, on a place where it's really hard to manage growth beyond $10 million. And that's uh, more or less when, when we come in and we start helping. So there's, there's, two, there's two moments where a company could be struggling, right? From, from what I'm gathering. I'm not growing fast enough or I'm stuck and I cannot breach. I, can go, I cannot go over those 10 million because something's happening in the company or, or I'm not, I don't want to have right. the expertise to do that. And that's, that's where you guys come in. You guys come in to help me grow faster, to analyze that and help me breach those 10 million, correct? Yes, correct. And what we do is that, you know, we partner with, with, the, uh, with the companies, with the CEO normally, the CFO, to try to figure out what's going on and how can these companies achieve growth. And it's, it's in, in, in many cases, I think uh, it, it's almost like, you know, I, I like running. And sometimes your, your shoes are just, you know, worn out and maybe they're not supporting your, your weight correctly. You need new shoes. You need to change some things. That's exactly what companies need to do when they achieve a certain size. And that's why we come and help. Um, can you help me if I am at 5 million? Yeah, certainly. Again, um, as you grow, especially, you know, growth is hard. It's hard work uh, for any entrepreneur, any company owner, any, any private company in general. It's really hard. Uh, but it becomes harder and harder as you grow and you, achieve, you, you go closer to $10 million. That's, that's when, you know, things become. But yes, when you're at five, you have to start thinking about how you're going to manage um, in, in, in more people. You have to start thinking, how can you manage uh, your financial resources better? Are you leveraging the company properly? Are you tapping into maybe partnerships the right way? Are you thinking about new customers in the same market that you are currently operating in? Are you thinking about maybe going into another market? You know, what type of product do I need to develop to maybe bring something that is complementary? How can I change the business model instead of selling widgets? Can I servitize the widgets? Can I sell it as a service? You know, there are many things in innovation um, and, and that's what growth means. It needs you to think in a different way. That's what we kind of like come in and we help. I mean, we've been, I mean, our, our backgrounds have been in, with many um, consulting firms, with many uh, uh, operators, large operators that have gone into international markets, for instance, that have gone into developing new products. Um, and uh, we have that type of expertise that we bring in. Can you share with us a case study of a company that you guys have assisted and succeeded? Yes, yes, obviously. Um, I cannot give names, but 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 think about it. This is this this was a company who's been in operation for many years, you know, maybe over ten years. And they it was profitable, very profitable um, business, but they couldn't grow further than six, seven million dollars a year. It was it was maddening. They were in the middle of uh, a very hot tech space. Um, they had excellent product, uh, very passionate about the product. 
their salespeople and the team were, were, were good, but they were always kind of like, you know, very, I would say more reactive to the market than um, going after new, new things. Um, the maddening thing is that the whole market for them was growing. It was in the hot type of technology and the people who they served because they worked through a lot of intermediaries and they were making a lot of money on them. Uh, integrating different services and doing different things. The problem that they had was a little bit of a twofold problem. One is that they, they needed to grow their base um, in a way that um, they were able to capture more of the value that was generated. The only way to do that is to do a little bit, work closer with the customers that you work with. You think about this company, it was more of a B2B2B. Right, so in distribution, you have that in the middle. Um, so we help them uh, sort out the the value chain, how you know where the value was captured. We help them sort out the type of the structure that they needed to have with their sales teams and the distribution channels. Um, we help them figure out what was the size of the investment that they needed to bring in in order to um, take advantage of these new initiatives. And that was a tricky one because when you go out to get money, you have a few options. You can borrow as a company. And if you're profitable, you can, but mostly it's going to be capped until a certain level based on the type of cash flows that you can generate. So that's one thing. That wasn't really working for them because the expectations of growth and the plans that they had, they were long. And second one was to see if they could bring venture venture funds. And ventures, they don't really like companies that have been stuck at the same level for that long. They just don't. They want growth. So that's another one that it was out of the question. The third one is normally private equity uh, money. But private equity is a little tricky because private equity wants to come in, control, and they want to clean up and generate growth, but that's uh, not what the owner wanted. He wanted to keep control. He wanted to keep growing, but he wanted to bring, you know, the expertise to, to do so. So uh, we helped them create the story, uh, find the right set of investors who were like aligned with objectives of the CEO and, uh, and deploy a plan that helped them ultimately regain growth and, and become more relevant in the market. You mentioned there were two pain points. There was the, the growing the base and the other one was related to the value chain. Yes, to the value chain. And, you know, this type of companies that work through distributors, let's say, you know, the, the, um, they make money from the distributor, but the distributor makes tons of money from selling directly to the customer. The value in, in, in many of those cases is the contracts. The contracts are happening between the distributor and the end um, tumor. Um, a lot of the times when this happens is, is uh, you need to balance this out better. And the way that you do this is by working closer to the distributors in order to bring more value and cap for them, but at the same time, like exchanging and capturing more value that they capture for the end uh, customer. And the way to do it, uh, do it is, is, is obviously by creating a new partnership agreements, uh, new plans and for them and discounts and many, many things to develop in you know, the right way. We learned doing that, um, by the way, when we were doing Sony Ericsson. Sony Ericsson was working that way. They didn't sell 
directly to wireless carriers, for instance, in many cases, they, they sold through distributors, uh, such as Brightstar, for instance, uh, and it was based out of here in Miami. Got it. Do you know where they are now after you finished putting your magic Clarity, Clarity Ventures dust on it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're happy and they're growing and we're, they're still customers. So, you know, we, we help them like move past the, the, the revenue goals that they have. Good, good, good. Awesome. So before we, thank you so much, by the way, for taking the time to join us, but I'd like to ask one more question to our guests when on Miami Global Net, what is your favorite part about Miami? Oh man, I mean, there's so many, there's so many and they're ever changing. I mean, working in, in this space, in tech space and, and, and um, in, in when it comes to changing things for many people, I think uh, Miami, uh, I love it that it's changing all the time. I came here 20 years ago and it was a very totally different uh, place. What I love the most now is that it's attracting so many people from the country that are like going away from California, New York, uh, to come to Miami to enjoy nice weather, open space, and now that we don't have to be in our office, you know, to work, and you know, most of the times, you know, people have the option to choose the best place to you know, to live, which is Miami. So I, I love that. I love that we have we're receiving so many new people. I love it that we have great weather, and that you know, we overall have a very high quality of life. Andres, it was great having you. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing with us your story. 